0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: This is Being Bumo. A podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring but also willing to share with us how it really is because as we all know parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier a little less stressful and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. So I'm not quite sure how to start this episode because I am so excited. I mean, I'm excited for all of our guests, but this one is exceptional because she is my really, 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 really close friend. She is someone that knows my deepest and darkest secrets. And she has just been through... I don't know, the highs and the lows with me. And she is someone that I've looked up to growing up and has become a really close friend. Her name is Su Chin Puck Some of you may recognize her name as she was possibly the coolest person ever, uh, still is, but especially when I was in high school. She was one of the few, if not the first Asian American in mainstream media on MTV, on TRL. I mean, do you guys remember those days? I mean, hopefully I'm not the only one because that will make me feel really old. Honestly, I lived on MTV and TRL after school every single day. And every time I saw Suchin Park, she was someone that I could relate to that I was able to look up to and say, I can see myself in her. And through my discovery of Suchin Park in my early days, it made me realize that I can pursue fashion, entertainment, media one day. And she really gave me hope as an Asian American teen girl. Anyway, Chin Pak is an American journalist, TV news correspondent. She has covered everything from the MTV Movie Awards, Music Awards, Sundance Film Festival, and even appeared on the Oprah show. But most importantly, she is a mother to two beautiful kids and just an all-around badass woman supporting other women, just paving the way for so many. So with that said, here is Suchin Pak. Chin Pak. Welcome yes. to the podcast. Finally. I am so excited. I just I just introduced you. You didn't yeah. hear me introducing you, but I just didn't even know how to start this podcast because... I know. I mean, now I you love, know how it feels. Yeah. I mean, I love all of my guests, but I feel like I'm a little biased here today because you and I have a history and we just go way back. So I'm excited for this.
0: Yeah. Well, now you know what it feels like when you came on our podcast. I was like, why am I nervous? I'm never (laughs) nervous. It's just, you know, there's just a lot of history. And some of it is not for public consumption. Okay. And that's okay. It's not. Um, But yes, we've known each other a long time. And we've known each other through many phases. I think that's important. Mm. Because you can have friends, right, that you've known a long time or that you've known really well but it's like you know you met them at a certain point and that's where it is but you and I met and we were I mean we like I said we've gone through many phases together pre-kids wait pre no you were married when I met you right was I you with Alan I don't know was I
1: engaged I think I was engaged engaged.
0: you weren't even because you
1: were in New York when I met you right
0: Yep. Pre-kids, pre-marriage for me too.
1: Everything. And then Everything. we've just been, and you and I are the type of friends where we don't need to talk to each other every day or even every week or even every month. But it's like when shit hits the fan,
0: <laughs> I'm like, I need to call Su Chin. That's all my friends. Yeah. All my closest friends. I can't tell you the last time I talked to them. Like if we go a long time, you know, there's texting and that sort of thing, but I'm also not one of those people that, uh, I like to get into it when I'm talking to my friends. So some time needs to pass and also I need to have a little bit of time, like I, I don't like to call them when I've got just the, you know, few minutes here and there. I I'm not one of those check-in friends like that. I'm one of those, like, let's, uh, let's get in our PJs and get out the tissue and,
1: which, which we'll
0: Still be doing it. this weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I like to do it. Um,
1: so, and you just have, and I think that's just like the new reality of finding your new tribe, right? Because when we're young, we have a lot of friends and especially you, you've been in media entertainment pretty much your entire life. I'm in fashion and we have, we constantly have a lot of these people in our lives, but you just only need a few that you could get real deep with and no judgment whatsoever. And I only have like, not even a handful, just like three people in my life that I could do that with. So thank you for being you basically. Oh,
0: thank. Oh, oh my goodness. I love it. I love my tribe. And and also as you get older, you know, I've talked about this before a little bit. I was never one of those people that um, needed friends. Like I had, I always lived with my brother, right? And so that was a crutch for me because living with a sibling that you really get along with is Mm. like basically being by yourself, (laughs) only (laughs) a little less lonely. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, you know. And then I was always, I was always one of those girls that just like needed to have a boyfriend. Always. I was always looking for a boyfriend. I was always with the boyfriend. I was always fighting with a boyfriend. I was always that girl in my 30s. And then I turned 40 and I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I need some ladies. And you know, besides the parenting thing, that was the first thing of it. And then marriage gets complicated. And a lot of my friends and you know, have gone through different, you know, things in their marriages. And that also, then you realize you're like, wait, that whole, remember when I signed up forever and ever, and it was just going to be perfect. And you were going to be my soulmate. And you remember that? Oh, wait, what, what is this? Oh, so that's not what that is. Okay. I'm okay with that. So then what do I fill the rest of my needs with? And it's your girlfriends. I never had a desire for that until I was much older. That's so funny that you bring that
1: up, though, because I feel the exact same way. Like, I just hate people. Like, I've always <laughs> hated being around people. And I think it's been- <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you're laughing because that's you. Right. And that's why we we, we instantly loved each other because we I both are just like antisocial people. I've always kind of identified as someone that wanted to be alone, but as I am getting older and going through struggles of my own, you're realizing, or I'm realizing the importance of girlfriends and I've never been that person. And honestly, you know, you and I have a really close mutual friend, actually my best friend, Lynette. That's Um, how we met. Yes, that's how we met. And I'm surprised that she's still my friend because I completely just like was not a good friend. Like if you looked up what a, a bad friend was, that was me. Like I was a definition of a bad friend, right? But she never we're left my side. We're terrible friends. We're terrible. We
0: are terrible friends. I am the worst friend. No, I'm so glad you said that. That is one of the funniest <laughs> and truest things that you've ever, that, I mean, that you've ever said. Yeah, we're terrible friends. I don't know if we can say her name, but Lynette is... She is the best kind of friend, but that's what you need. You need the yin and the yang, but let's Mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, Lynette hates people too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So find a tribe of people that hate everyone except for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or we just find your tribe, you know what I mean? Um, And that just happens to be our tribe of people (laughs) is people that don't really like a lot of people. That's okay. That's
1: okay. We just got each other. I don't know if it's me, but I can never find a shampoo and conditioner that works for me. And is it weird that my scalp is just kind of gross? Maybe I've been using too much dry shampoo or products in my hair. I mean, I have to say I've been styling my hair, especially with these new bangs. I've tried so many products and nothing seems to be quite right for my hair and my scalp. But lately I've been using gem mist. I took their quick two minute quiz and their fancy schmancy algorithm matched me with the best shampoo and conditioner and a scalp bar. I have to admit, I had no idea what a scalp bar was, but it removed a buildup and more. Is it magic? Nope. It is science. Also, you can save money by subscribing. You can save 20% on every order with smart subscribe and get free shipping. You can also try gemmist risk-free with free and easy returns within 30 days, which is awesome. Also, did I mention that it's women-owned? The CEO and founder, Alison Har is a mom of two. We love supporting busy moms out here, right? If you're ready to have the best hair of your life, try Gemist. Right now, my listeners can give Gemmiss a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner. Right now, my listeners can give Gemmiss a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner smart subscription. Smart subscribers already save 20% on each order. So this is an amazing deal. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it as early as this weekend. Just visit Gemmis.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Bumo, B-U-M-O, at checkout for 20% off and free two-day shipping. That is gemmist.com, G-E-M-M-I-S-T.com and enter code BUMO at checkout to get the best hair of your life. Okay. So we have a lot to cover today. Okay. And okay, let's do it. I, we're going to dial it a little bit back before we kind of get into parenting and relationships and all of that. But I want to go back to when I first discovered you, which I'm sure a lot of people have discovered you in their living room in the 90s or is it the early With 2000s? With bright red hair, With hair. Bright red hair, panic, yes.
0: panic hair.
1: And so as an Asian American living in predominantly all-white neighborhood, I've always secretly loved media, loved fashion, but never was able to identify with the people that I saw, right? And so when I discovered you, I was like, whoa, she looks like me. I could have a cool job like her one day. And honestly, you served as such an inspiration to, I mean, not only myself, but so many of fellow Asian Americans within the industry, but you recently came out with the story of your own, of your experience of racism and kind of, I, I can't even imagine how hard it must've been back then because our generation now is quote unquote woke, right? So everyone is like trying to speak up and, you know, fight justice. But back then it was frowned upon to talk about that. I mean, you are not allowed to talk about that, especially as, A woman of color, right? So, one, how was it like being one of the, if not the only Asian American in mainstream media? And two, why did you decide to come out with your story?
0: I think, you know, I mean, those are such big questions that I'm still, you know, finding answers to because you have to realize that I'm such a different person today than I was when I was there, right? So it's like, I can't talk to you about my experience from that point of view because it would make no sense, you know, from that point, you know, so so I'm still reprocessing a lot of it and, and I'm reprocessing the trauma and I'm reprocessing the learnings. And because back then, like you said, it, it just was a totally different conversation, you know, not only outside, but within yourself. Like I didn't feel like I had been as wronged as I realized much later in life when I was looking back and thinking about all the things that had happened over the years. So to answer your question, I think being, um, you know, one of just a handful of um, Asian-Americans, but also Asian-Americans within a different context. I think we saw a lot of Asian-Americans as like extras, you know, Mm. on... TV shows. And we saw a lot of Asian American women as anchors on newscasts, you know, local newscasts when I was growing up. That was like a really big thing. But you didn't see a lot of Asian Americans in quote unquote pop culture and in youth culture. Like that was a really big difference for me. Um, And you just perpetually walk around feeling like you should be so grateful, so, so grateful. And you're just so just, you know, lucky, you know, and what that does and the difference between gratitude and appreciation, you know, what gratitude can do when you feel grateful at times is is that it can keep your mouth shut and it can keep you quiet and it can keep you from saying or doing anything because it's just a privilege to be there. You know, there's so few... I'm so lucky. So that is the sentiment that I always felt. So, you know, it came from my parents. It came from myself. It came from, you know, just how that place treated. And and it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a wholly bad experience. There were a few instances that, um, but that was the overall feeling, right? And that really came from myself more than anybody else, right? That feeling of like, don't. You know what I mean? Don't say anything that, you know, could jeopardize your spot. Gee, you know, like you're barely, you know, invited here anyway. You know, you're the plus one to the plus one to the plus one. You know, like your name is like in pencil on a list somewhere that can easily disappear. So that's that.
1: Well, I first of all, I don't think you're the plus one. I mean, you might've felt that way, but when I turned on MTV, like you were the one that I was watching. Like I didn't care about anyone else, but you were the only one that I really cared about. So, you know, you just being there has created so many young people like myself to be able to dream and So many kids like myself would literally just turn on MTV just to watch you. So I just wanted to put that in there.
0: Oh, and it's such a trip because, you know, we talk about how important um, just even visibility is just to Mm. see. And, you know, I when I was on MTV, what, you know, there were a few shows, you know, we would do the VMAs, but they were all small little bites, right? Ten to the hour news you know, it wasn't like I was on all the time, but you did you don't need that. You just need that one image. You need that one minute and it's enough. It's enough to change the trajectory of someone's life. And so I think visibility is so much more important and impactful than people even give it credit for because it does change trajectory of people's lives. It really does. It does. Do you feel like there
1: um, there has been a lot of progress made since?
0: I do. I mean, this is the first time I've ever felt in my life, and certainly in my career, that there has been a true sea change. You know, I talk about this a lot. I remember the first time that I saw Better Luck Tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> We have a friend who worked on that movie. That's how, actually, that's how I met Lynette. Ah, Because I, her husband worked yes. on that movie and MTV Films ultimately bought that movie. And I remember watching that movie and being on the big screen and being like, I had no idea I had this craving and this hole just in my identity and, and in my sense of worth until I saw it. Like, I didn't even know I was missing it until I saw it. And I was like, whoa, this is filling me up in a way that I I didn't even know that that hole had existed, you know? And during that time of really trying to help them with that movie, it just was, that was my first like, yeah, it's not, people aren't ready yet. It's just not, it's just, it was so hard. To get anyone to pay attention to that That's movie. It's so
1: interesting because now that we are, Asian hate has, I mean, it's still not really necessarily being covered in mainstream media, but media is covering it now, um, especially with the uprise in the hate crimes and, you know, social media really has changed the game since, right? But people are referencing that movie, but now it's like, what, 10 years later, 15 years oh, later? More.
0: No. I can't even remember. Oh yeah. At least 10 years. Yeah. 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 10 years. Yeah.
1: But it takes a while for people to really understand. And you're right. Like I didn't even understand why I was the way I am because like you said earlier, I was always trying to overcompensate and always extra, extra nice for whatever reason. And it's because I felt like I had to be because I was lucky to to have a seat at the table and I could lose it, right? And so that is kind of ingrained to us as Asian Americans, right? What do they call it? The model minority myth where like mm-hmm. we're so lucky to be here. So we have to mm-hmm. act a certain way. Yeah. Um, but like unlearning all of those things is something that I've been trying to to do myself during the season as conversations have risen about this. Um, but I don't know how how you're feeling right now with all this Asian hate that's happening.
0: Yeah, I mean that I think it all goes together, you know. I think I, I think we're all in simultaneously as an Asian American community going through group therapy and Asian American History 101. Like we're all taking a class together and then we're all in group therapy together because (laughs) that's what it feels like. You know, I mean, I am so ignorant and I think a lot of people are about our place and the history of people of color in this country. You know what I mean? I'm not even just talking about Asian Americans. Asian Americans aren't even, I, I didn't even know that I cared to learn that history. You know, like even just learning about any history And so I'm learning all of this for the first time and it's hitting me in a different way. And I think that there is a collective through the one of the great things about social media is that there is a collective kind of community that is, you know, all over the world and certainly all over the country where we can very simply reach out and create a voice that feels louder than in mainstream media.
1: And it almost feels like this time around, we're kind of working together because so many times, you know, especially I'm sure you've uh, felt this way as well, being in media and for me being in fashion, it's like we were taught to to believe that there are only so many seats at the table so we had to actually compete against each other right and i'm an aries i'm competitive so you know when i see another asian girl who loves fashion it naturally my mind goes to like oh, oh no. i need to become better i need to i need to beat them i need to and that that is just my natural state of being but also how i was raised to to be in America, right? Because mm-hmm. there's only so many seats for us. But now, it's, I for the first time ever, I feel like the community is working together and the community is kind of like arm to arm with each other, you know, fighting together. And I think that's so beautiful and something that I've really just gotten out of this whole thing. This podcast is brought to you by Athleta, a performance lifestyle brand for women committed to unlocking their limitless potential. The guiding principle that drives every design beauty, innovation, and sustainability. Each style is crafted for the unique needs of female bodies in motion. This summer, Athleta is your go-to shorts destination. Distraction-free and ultra lightweight. Their shorts are designed so nothing can get in the way of you and your goals. From bike shorts to Bermudas, run shorts to everyday staples they have your shorts. My personal favorite pair are the Trekkie North short for many reasons. First and foremost, they are so chic and they are really great for hiking, climbing, and exploring, which is great for me because I've been doing a lot of hiking lately. It feels and looks super sleek. It's lightweight. It has two-way stretch for extra mobility. And four pockets, ladies, you guys know how important pockets are, right? Especially us busy mamas. It's great for stashing all of your essentials in. In honor of short season, Athleta is encouraging us to lead with our legs, whatever that looks like for you. In honor of short season, Athleta is encouraging us to lead with our legs, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's running a new PR, climbing to new heights, or standing up for what you believe in. Let your legs lead you forward. I personally love this time of year when we can start wearing shorts because it just reminds me that summer is just around the corner and it's time to get active. I personally used to hate showing off my legs for whatever reason, but my legs are strong and they are powerful. And as a mother, I'm super proud of how strong they are. Summer is the time to celebrate the legs that move us forward. Find your new favorite pair of shorts at Athleta and let your legs lead the way. Visit Athleta in stores or online at athleta.com to shop their full range of shorts available in sizes from extra, extra small to triple X.
0: I also think too, it's like we as the model minorities have often not shared our trauma and or our trauma has been shared as like, but we are we are noble heroes, you know, Mm. we've made it through. And and now I feel like being able to share your trauma and say, I'm in a lot of pain and I'm not okay with it, takes this feeling of like you're Given giving yourself permission to take space. You know what I mean? Like to be able to share pain in a true and honest way also is part of like, I belong here too. Like my story matters. My pain matters. Mm. And I think that that is something new. And I think that that's something new that's being recognized even by people outside of our community that I think even, you know, some of my white friends who kind of see Asian, you know, success and, you know, see the, the, how perfect or how well we've done and can't even fathom that there's so much pain and trauma in our communities. Even the acknowledgement of the pain, I think is the first step towards seeing us as three-dimensional, people that are outside of whatever mythology and stereotype, right? Like it's both. It's it's the celebrating of the, you know, it's just as much um, crazy rich Asians, you know, as it is all of these stories of pain and suffering, you know, it's both of those things. And I think a lot of, for a long time, we kind of felt like we could only tell one version of ourselves, you know, which was like successful and, you know, nice and you know, sweet and if we're funny, we're quirky, you know, Uh we can't we can't be, you know, dark, you know, and funny. We gotta be kind of weird and funny. You know what I mean? Like that light bubbliness is the only note that I feel like. And it's related to this feeling of like, well, we gotta, you know, we got one seat at the table. You know, we better bring, you know, we got we have to justify our presence here. And I think acknowledging pain and sharing pain and holding each other's pain is saying, fuck that. Like, I want to be as dark and, you know, screwed up as the rest of you all. <laughs> and, and I don't even care if I'm at the table. Keep your table. <laughs> like, I love
1: that. You Have know? you talked
0: to your kids
1: about this? How old
0: are they? So my kids are seven and nine.
1: Uh-huh. Already? Oh my gosh. I mean, wow. Okay. Well, what do
0: you mean? You? How old are your kids? Six and three. Yeah. So I know, but three it it feels young, but six is, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're a year away. You know, we're, <laughs> we're very close. I can't even, it's so funny that we were pregnant. Very, I can't even remember. We being, were overlapping
1: at some point. Yeah. I remember we were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So my kids are like, very unworldly, you know, like unworldly, you know, they're very naive kids. They're like on the like maturity level on the younger spectrum of it. Uh You know, I think um, there's just been no hard knocks. (laughs) It's just been soft, soft cotton candy landing. And I kind of love that because it was so the opposite. You know, we all had to grow up so fast. I certainly had to grow up really fast and by this age, I was translating, you know, utility bills for my parents and, you know, going to landlords and trying to negotiate rent, you know? Um, so there's an innocence about them that I haven't really, uh, I haven't had the, the need or the feeling to sort of, an innocence to kind of intrude upon now where I do really, I think, overemphasize all the time is talking about what is compassion and what is empathy. And when we see something wrong, why do you think that person is crying? Or why do you think this is happening? So I think that conversations around love and feeling empathy is the groundwork for later on when they start to see and experience things that we can, I feel, when we're talking about social justice. So for now, they're kind of oblivious to that. What about you? I, I tried because
1: there's a lot of pressure around, you know, what other parents were doing. So I tried, yeah. yeah, Um, because a lot of parents were like, you know, you should have these conversations with your kids. And, and so I kind of took that book of what, other parents were doing. And I tried with my oldest and she just did not get it. She was like, I know what are you talking about? And I was like, wait, is this a little too early for you? Like, am I doing this right? I don't know. So we just kind of stopped there, but yeah, just kind of going back to, you know, no matter what your skin color is, like everyone yeah. should be treated nicely, you know, yeah. and just kind of going down to empathy and compassion for for people, no matter you know, how I they look like. I think you start like.
0: there. Yeah. I think you start there because I really do think from there, they will hopefully be able to um, think for themselves because we can't always be there in the schoolyard and with, on playdates. Like we just can't. But if we're the type of family that when someone's in pain, you stop you stop and you and 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 you don't walk away from it but you walk towards it and you try to figure out what's happening i remember when you know the whole thing happened in atlanta and then i posted what i posted and i mean there was a month where i just like i cr- like it was hard to get out of bed like just like crying all the time and my daughter who is 7 you know was like what's wrong and i wasn't feeling very well either i was a little bit i think just the stress of it had like um run me down and she wrote me this note and at the very end of the note it said you know I'm sorry you're in pain and I'm sorry you're crying she doesn't need to know she doesn't need to know about the details of it but she felt it and to me that's enough for now for my mm-hmm. kids you know yeah
1: i love that i love that at such a young age they are so intuitive like even my oldest daughter chloe And this is something that like, I'm also working on with her because I feel like she, when she sees me in pain or when she sees me sad, she wants to make me feel better, but sometimes she overcompensates. And I think this is where I come in because I used to do this as well as a child. So lots of inner child work that I personally have to do as well, but it's like, she's always like, mommy, you're the best. I love you. I love you so much. Mommy, I love you. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Mommy's going to be fine. But yeah, like kids are so intuitive. They know when you're not okay. And that's just like showing them that side is really important.
0: It's, it's important. And it's also, I think it's just as important to um, take away the stigma of the value judgment of pain and sadness you know, I always, and and I'm learning this myself. Again, we're all reparenting ourselves as we parent children, which is the weirdest thing about being parents because you're like, whoa, this it, is- It is crazy and
1: it's scary too. Well, that actually leads me to another question, which is you and I are both first generation. So our parents are from Korea, uh, born in Korea. And obviously they're- parenting rule book is very different than what is ours today. And some of them, you're just like, what were you guys thinking? Like, how did you think this was okay? And how did you think that I would actually come out okay after you saying these type of things to me, right? But God bless them. They didn't know any better that they probably learned from their parents as well. But is there anything specifically that you were taught that you want to unlearn yourself and make sure your kids don't like take that on. Like for me is, for example, I'll go first. It's, I was always, and this is for many Asian families, we just didn't really talk about feelings. And if we did talk about feelings, then it was just like me disrespecting my parents So even till this day, I have a very hard time being able to say, this is how I feel. And I actually sometimes don't know how to feel sometimes. And that's something that I'm still working on. So now as a parent myself, I'm trying to... Do little things every night. Like, for instance, with Chloe, I'll say at the end of the night, let's talk about one good feeling and one bad feeling because I want it to be kind of like an open conversation every single day. Like, oh, this person hurt me and I didn't like how it felt, or I did this and it made me feel really good. Whereas when I was growing up, any bad feelings were not talked about. And so, normalizing bad feelings, making sure that's part of our daily conversation, that's something that I'm doing. So, I don't know if there's anything that you've kind of want to unlearn.
0: Yeah. And I sort of related to that because I was as I was listening, I was thinking uh, just this is the thought that popped into my head, especially as girls and especially as, you know, children. I think a lot of cultures, especially immigrant cultures, you know, children should be seen, not heard, you know it's disrespectful to talk back. It's disrespectful to disagree. Even, you know, I remember you just like, I remember being a full grown adult. And my mom was saying some things about my brother's fiance. And I was like, mom, like, you can't say that stuff. And she said to me in Korean, she was like, I'm your mother. Like (laughs) I can't, if I can't say this stuff, then who can say this stuff? And I'm like, no one. No one should be saying these terrible things about anybody, like, Uh especially that. Like, I don't want to talk about that. So anyway, I remember we got into a big fight and she was like, well, then I guess I'll just keep my mouth shut, I guess, you know. And anyway, what the thing that came up for me, and this is something that in the past few years, I think we've talked a lot about and I've been reading about, is we are all born with our own very strong guidance system. I think as children, it's even stronger than as, as adults because we learn to ignore it. And this guidance system, it can also be called instincts. It can be called that gut feeling that you have. And kids, that's all they have. They're they are such survival mechanisms. You know what I mean? Like before language, they have to know what their instincts and their intuition is telling them. And I think as we get older, especially as women, and especially as Asian American model minority myth women, we push that down and we quiet it. So, you know, in the most dramatic sense, it's, you know, you get in an elevator that I, you know, it's like my greatest fear is elevators in a small building and the elevator opens up and there's a man walking in and your gut is like, get off the elevator but it's like, no, we don't want to be rude. We don't want to be mean. We don't want to, you know, cause. So you, okay. So there's that extreme version. So I think about that a lot because I, I so believe, especially as kids, they have such a strong instinct. And what I try to always work with my daughter is if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. And I don't care what anybody is telling you. I don't even care if it's me that's telling you if it doesn't feel right. And I would say like, does it make, do you get a funny feeling? Do you get, does your, you know, does your stomach, you know, get tight? Like I try to really give that, empower her to use her instincts just as she would her vision, her sight, you know, her hearing, all of her senses. Like that is just as important, if not more important. And I look back at my childhood and I think about, you know, some pretty dicey situations that our parents have put us in. And that feeling, I I still, I can close my eyes and in two seconds, I can conjure up that feeling of that moment when I knew something wasn't right and I didn't feel like I could say anything. And I told my parents and they told me, you know what I mean? Where they were like, "Uh, you know, it's okay. Just, you know, it's all right. It's all right. Look the other way. So it's a big one. And I don't know
1: if I explained it correctly, Yeah, but that's that's actually really encouraging because yeah, how do you explain that feeling, right? To even yourself, but like really understanding that that is a voice talking to you. And I think that's really an empowering tool to teach your child. I mean, I think it could be a little challenging, right? Because how do you describe it? But I think once she understands how it feels and that will guide her for the rest of her life, which I think I want to do. T- I haven't done that yet, but I think that's really powerful that you do that. Yeah, that's amazing. OK, so we're going to move on to um, boundary setting, which is my favorite because it's something that.
0: Really? Yeah, I love it. I love that you're like into boundary setting.
1: Well, you've taught me a lot. I, really? I've gotten a few tips here and there from you. Okay. And so you're really good at boundary setting.
0: Am I? Yes. I, don't, I don't even know if I really understand what that means, but I'm curious. I'm into this. Let's let's get into it. I think you're very
1: good. You've inspired me to set some really strong boundaries for myself, and something that that I've learned from you. So, how do you set your boundaries for yourself? Because I feel like you're really good about like, okay, these are my boundaries from my kids. These are my boundaries from my partner or my husband. This is my non-negotiable. Like, I feel like you're really good at that, and that's something that I've learn from our friendship and through kind of your experience. First of all, how do you set boundaries? Like what, how how do you get there?
0: Wow. I, you know, it's funny. I never, I've never really thought of it that way. Maybe just because it is the way that I am. You know, I feel like when you talk about that, it is a survival mechanism for me. Like setting boundaries is non-negotiable for me because I can't function without those boundaries. I get sick I get overwhelmed. I forget things like things just start to fall apart. So it's really important for me to set all that stuff up. And um, so that, but I think it starts with the most annoying thing that, you know, it can start with, which is you really have to know yourself. And what I mean by that is, is that it has taken me a a long time and over a lifetime, you, you start to do these things, right? You're like, huh, we joked about it. Like, I don't like people. Okay. (laughs) What that really means is that like, I, of course I like people, but interacting with people that aren't like in my close, close circle really drains me. Like Mm -hmm. it does not fill me up. So you can look at it. How to find out who you are is you think about a scenario and you think, does that fill me up or does that drain me? Right. And so you can think about it, anything like, being with your kids all day, you know, picking them at, up at school. You can start with that small question. Does that fill me up or does that drain me? And so I think that's how I've gotten to know where I know that there is just no tolerance for crossing the boundary because I need a lot of alone time. I need a lot of recharging time and I need all those things to be able to give to my family and to my friends and so how i justify it and you that's the other thing is i think people have a trouble have trouble setting boundaries because they're always having to justify it to themselves you know like okay i, I you know i don't i want to say no to this invite okay like but you know i feel bad you know but okay you know and you start to do this negotiating with yourself and i think when you start to realize that you can't Give to the people that really need you and the people that you want to give to, unless you're setting very clear boundaries. And so, I don't feel bad about setting my boundaries because I know ultimately, like, it's not even for me, you know? It's like, so it's like, I wish it could be enough where I'm like, it's just for me, you know? But it's <laughs> like, I can't do that. I'm not there. I'm not like super, you know. A superhuman. I'm like, well, it's for my kids. Like, if I say yes to this, what that means is I'm going to be a raging bee Uh (laughs) around my kids, and my kids don't deserve that. And you're, it's not enough. It's not enough for me to stay out at this party till two in the morning so that I have to get up, you know, tomorrow at seven a.m. and tend to my children. So I think it's some of that. And I think being a mother, don't you think it's so clear? so much clearer where the boundaries are, at least to me, it's, well, it's very clear.
1: It's become clearer to me um, through certain circumstances of mine, but before it wasn't clear to me. Mm. And that's why I've always really like respected you for making these clear boundaries. And I, I feel like majority of moms are more like me where they're like, everything that I do has to kind of revolve around the kids and my life is now the kids and like I cannot think for myself anymore I can't do things for myself anymore because of my kids or my partner or whatever and that that was me just a few months ago and so I think it's really important that people set these clear boundaries because I mean you're going to be a disaster I was a disaster um, because you
0: can be in the room but not present I mean that's the thing we trick ourselves right
1: I mean, I haven't been present for yeah. over like five years of my life, and I feel like I'm now finally being present for the first time ever because I I've made these very clear boundaries. Thanks and to Suchin Puck.
0: <laughs> by the way, I I I'm the same way. I think the first few years, I probably just woke up maybe a year year or two ago. Before that, I was same same as you. While like I'm here, I'm making the lunches, you know, complaining through it all, like resenting everyone, blaming everyone, but I did the lunch. Just got a hot lunch and you know, it's like they're <laughs> happy. That? That's all Who that matters. That garbage. By the way, like the kids don't want that either. They'd rather no. have crackers and you singing silly songs and like, you know what I mean? Doing that versus like a hot curry lunch with, you know, miso <laughs> soup. Like they're like, I don't even want to eat this, you know. But if that
1: brings you joy and that's what you do, then so be it. But definitely that does not bring me joy because I don't even know how to cook a hot meal. So, all right. I have a million gazillion more questions for you, but I feel like I just need to stop now because I feel like you and I can just go on for hours. I can. This is so uh, fun. I know. This is a lot of fun. So if there's one advice that you could give parents that are kind of struggling to find their true self, their true identity, their happiness... Um, outside of their kids, I think that 's a big struggle for a lot of parents like who are they outside of their kids right?
0: What would that one advice be to me it 's always been books and not parenting books you know I have a few few books that have throughout my life just like put me on the path and continue to put me on the path and so my answer to that is is that if you're struggling to be a better parent it 's not turning to parenting advice it's really looking about all of the ways that that you are not fulfilled in your life right and and that has not almost nothing to do with parenting i think good parenting is just a byproduct of a really really in tune and present and grounded person and that's much more difficult work than like reading about a parenting book and putting your kids to bed at a certain time and making sure they eat their vegetables. That's a, that's way easier and much more distracting than the real work, which is the work of being a very present grounded person that is attuned to your own feelings, your own emotions, your intuition, all of that. You know, I think that that is really difficult work. And, but at the same time, I think it's, It's the most inspiring work, and it's the work that is the long lasting answer, right? Because we can get on these like fads of like, okay, we're not, you know, we're gonna do this, you know, we're gonna do this type of parenting now, and we're gonna do these types of classes and cognitive behavior. You have all these fads, but I think at the end of the day, that is all just a byproduct of being a much more grounded and present person. And for me, because I'm an introvert, because I'm a reader, there have been books that have always given me that.
1: I love that. I've been reading a lot of books lately, and I have to agree with you. I felt like that was a missing piece to to my puzzle, which I didn't really make time for before or I didn't really have the time for before. but yeah, I mean, i I'm gonna have to get your book list at some point.
0: Yeah, we'll share our book list. I think everybody we we should share our book list with the listeners and 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 all of that because I'm sure they would love to hear. Your book. I'll leave it
1: in the podcast notes, show notes. I'm going to ask you for some of your your top books later. So, thank you so much, Suchin, for doing this. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast before we sign off and where people can find you?
0: Yes. So, you can find me at Suchin Park um, on Instagram, and then at Add to Cart Pod, which is our podcast Instagram. And I just started this new podcast because I'm sure nobody's ever done that. In this quarantine time. So, I started a new podcast with a friend of mine, Coolop, the Lysok, and it's called Add to Cart. And on the surface, it's just about all the things that we buy and add to our carts that say something about who we are. And so, often the conversation, you know, will start off with serums and, you know, vagina you know, creams, vagina creams, you know, and then go go into social justice and depression and anxiety. And then we'll talk about, you know, a TV show that we we're adding to our cart. And then that'll, you know, have a whole conversation about like our sex lives. And so it's really a show about getting to know people on a very intimate level, but it's through the things that we buy.
1: <laughs> which I is- actually love that. That's such a great way to start a conversation because so many times people we'll just start a conversation about like just, just general questions, but it's really more about like what we buy that actually reflects how we feel and what we, what we need at that point. So I love it. It's the most hilarious podcast. I mean, I think it is because it's is quite funny, so make sure to go check that out. I'll leave it in the link below. Thank you so much, Sichen, for doing this. You are an incredible friend, mentor, like just everything. I love you so much, and I love you. Too. I will see you this weekend.
0: Yes. Okay. okay bye. bye.
1: I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.